if I may, this is my Bible. Say, so I am what it says I am. I believe what it says about me. Today, my spirit is receptive and my heart is prepared to be blessed from the word of God. With it, I will grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And I will continue to live in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jump us together to the Lord and have your seat graciously in his presence. Whew, glory. Hallelujah. If you are glad that you came to service today, just give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Better. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, you know, I think um, personally, I, I thank God that I'm in this gathering for different reasons. Of course, it's the first Sunday service in the session. And the Lord was faithful. You know, he kept us all through the break. He brought us together again. And not only that, he's adding to the church. He's bringing fresh faces to the church. Hallelujah. If you are glad that you've seen a face you've never, or you've not always seen before today, put your hands together for the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, as I was, um, as I was just ruminating, meditating, praying in the spirit and all that, as I sat up there, you know, something dropped to my heart to do to the freshers and first-timers that we have today on behalf of the pastorate, myself and the vice president. Amen. And um, I know you give me the permission. Praise the Lord. If you're if, if a first-timer or if you're a fresher, just be on your feet. We want to quickly do something to you. If you're a first-timer, whether you've come um, on Wednesday, you are here on Friday, or you're just coming for the first time, even if you're not a fresher and you're a first-timer, or you're a fresher, be on your feet. Don't be tired of standing up. Amen. Let's put hands together for them as they rise up. Hallelujah. You know, I said on Friday um, when I was rounding up the service that you know, I was, my heart is indicting a good matter. And I felt like doing something for all of them and I didn't know what I could do. But you know, as the, the FRP people came out and they told us of the shed, they told us of the notebook, I was like, it won't be too much if um, the pastorate will buy one copy of that notebook for everybody standing up. Hallelujah. So to give you, I just need you to, I think everybody's converging after the service. All right, um, all of you, as you are standing, converge after the service, and by the grace of God, you have a copy of um, Tax One Customized Notebook to yourself. Hallelujah. <laughs> to the purse, or from the purse of the pastor, Pastor Lee, so we'll do that together. Hallelujah. You can have your seat graciously in God's presence. And um, yes, on the topic of, or the title of the message, if I tell us the title of the message, um, I just want us to, and it was heavy on my heart at a point in time when, um, I heard a statement and I was dazed. And it's the truth that, you know, the church is in a dispensation or in a age now that there are so many teachers of God's word, sound teachers of God's word. The truth of God's word is being known much more than it has always been known. But the product of, you know, scripture says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The product of us knowing the truth, which is meant to be we being free, you know, we living lives as God will have us live them, is kind of, there is an imbalance, there is a disparity between the two. It's true God is dishing out his word, but it's like we're only hearers, we've not been doers thus far. I was just scanning through my system and looking at the past messages we've taken in the semester, I mean, in the tenure so far, right from the very first day, still growing, you know, have you eaten today? You know, bring out the bride in you. The parable of computer viruses. 
the parable of carrots, um, tea bags, and stone, I mean, all of that, egg, um, the toilet ministry, one and two, um, thank God I'm pregnant, Teller words bookie, um, which other one? Leave your comfort zone, um, tuning prayer, don't stop, keep praying, um, broken picture, you know, the one of Kadash, Kedosh, and um, Rahash, and all of that. You know, we've had lots of messages. <laughs> Amen. But how much of those words have we actually absorbed into our hearts to begin to leave them out? I believe we will all be better persons much more if we can transcend the level of hearing to doing the word of God. Amen. And then, if you have looked at this service, it has followed a trend from the beginning. Thank God for a new beginning, Ecclesiastes 3.1. And... Um, Thank you for the testimonies. I was blessed by those testimonies. Sister Daramola, God bless you. Um, the people that wrote write-ups, Ramola, God bless you. Sister Ife, God bless you. Those were timely stops for this time. And um, they were not just words that were coming out. You know, they were wisdom, wisdom um, put in words. Paul said, we speak wisdom as in a mystery. Hallelujah. And um, the Lord will yet be wrapping it all up today. But I want you to open up your heart to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save your Finish it now. That is able to save your... How many Bible scholars are told? I just quoted the scripture. The Bible says, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. Hallelujah. And your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotion. So every word you are hearing today has something to do on your mind, on your thinking. It will change your thinking, change your perspective. It has something to do on your will. It will influence you and it will... Bring, bring, bring a kind of an external impulse to make the decisions that you are meant to make. And then it will have also an impact on your emotions such that you will leave this place not just being happy superficially, but you, are, you have a reason to rejoice. Hallelujah. The title of the message is Rejoicing at the Nonsense in Your Genesis. Hallelujah. Rejoicing at the Nonsense in Your Genesis. Now, it, it, it dawned on me that, you know, when we talk about new beginnings and we talk about starting something afresh, starting something anew, there is always a trait of something that doesn't make sense in the world of that stuff. Let's open our Bible to Genesis chapter 1, the book of beginnings. Genesis is the Greek word for beginning. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bible to Genesis chapter 1. I'll read um, verse 1 through to verse 3 from um, KJV and I read it from the Message Bible. How we did? That's the first page of our Bibles, I suppose, so it shouldn't be difficult locating that. Genesis 1, 1 to 3, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Hallelujah. Very familiar verses. We know them so well. In the Message translation says, First this, God created the heavens and heart. All you see, all you don't see. Heart was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. And God spoke. Light! And light appeared. Hallelujah. You know, there is, there is a picture of an ugly scene at first. Everything was dark. There was no light. Everything was empty. Everything was void. Everything was in a... In a very disordered state as it were. Everything was just the way the scripture describes it. If you could get that picture, just imagine a world where there was imagine you standing here as it were and there was there was not this structure, there was no 
pavilion over your head. There are no speakers. Of course, there can't even be speakers because there was no man yet that was think of making one. There was no grass. There was no, there was no trees. There were no birds flying around. Everything is just, in fact, there was no light. Everything was just dark. And perhaps this place was filled with lots of water and all of that. It's that kind of a picture. It's so ugly to behold as it were. But there was something that happened then. Bible says God's spirit was overing upon the face of the of the deep and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Amen. Like I was saying, at the beginning of every beginning, and of course I hope you know that every day is a new beginning for you. And thank God for those words that have come in the in the earlier part of the service about you not holding to your past. Your past is your past. As a matter of fact, you are today what your past has made you. And so it's 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 gone. And it's not to be seen again. But you are meant to do something with your current reality such that the next reality you would see will be something that you will much more appreciate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, God did not just make you to, to come to this earth and grow and pass through you and graduate and marry and whatever, leave, have kids and die. There was something in his heart. There was a reason in his, in his mind. The Bible says, what is man that thou hast mindful of him? As in, you were once full of God's mind. You are all that was on God's mind. That's why I said before, even from doing your mom's room, you already knew you. He already fashioned you out to become something. And much more than, you know, we've always had the answer to this question that why were we created? We were created to worship God. That's very true. We were created to, to give praise to God. He said he has called us out of darkness to show for the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That was one of the very important reasons why God made you, why God made me. But beyond that, there is yet a reason. He gave a commission to Abraham and Eve. He said that be fruitful, multiply, subdue the heart, and have dominion. He created them to reign in the heart. The Bible says in Revelation 1.6 that we are kings and priests that unto God. In, in, in Revelation 5.10, he said we are kings and priests that remain to reign on this heart. Hallelujah. So you are created as gods. The Bible was saying in Psalm 82, verse number 6, he said, You are gods. Have I not said, Ye are gods, sons of the Most High? He says, But you die, in verse 7, you die like mere men. Why? Because in verse 5, he had said, In knowing they don't know, he said, They know not, neither do they understand. They walk perpetually in darkness, and the whole heart is unstable. So there is the need for an understanding that comes upon you, that makes you know that you are here for a reason, you are here for a purpose, and though whatever you look at now might say, whichever way it's seeming, but there is something in God's heart, and there is a path of God that he has given you. Let come, let us make man in our image. He made you to be God's. And what does God do? One of the things that we know that God does is that he creates. In the beginning, God created. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And don't forget where we are starting from, of course, and keep in mind the title of the message, Rejoicing at the Nonsense in Your Genesis. Um, I don't know if you've ever wondered how you became you or how I became me. You know, biology will tell us that there was a sperm cell that came to an egg cell. Both of them, the size of a sperm cell, I think, I don't even think it's visible to the naked eye. And then the egg cell to like just making two dots of biro and the two of them coming together. And then something happened and the two of them was enlarging and enlarging. And nine months later, you know, it became you, and then you just began to grow. You can't even fathom how, and somehow you just discovered you are this tall, black, handsome guy, or you are this beautiful, fat, big lady like that. Hallelujah. Amen. But it's, it's really something that is way beyond 
it doesn't really make so much of sense to you to fathom out how that those two dots, the spam cell and the hex cell, could eventually become you. It doesn't make sense how that, you know, you look at a coconut tree and you discover that the tree grew and gave birth to some fruits that deep within them, despite the fact that they were covered with lots of husks, there is still a hard shell within and a pool of water suspended within it. It's, it doesn't make sense. But that was one of the stuff that was embedded in the very beginning when everything that had a beginning began. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't make so much sense how that you plant two, two, three grains of maize. And then the next thing you have is a maize plant that has lots of cobs and then lots of other grains on it. And you have hundreds of grains from planting two grains. But you can't fathom it out. You just know you put something in the ground and something came out of it. It, it does not really make so much of sense. But that is one of the characteristics of you know, when you are just starting out something, when something is just coming into existence. You know, the Bible says God created the heart in six days and he rested on the seventh. I was asking myself, why six days? Why not six minutes? Why not six months? Why not six weeks? Why not even one day? Since it was just, I mean, all he did was he was speaking them into existence, wasn't it? Let there be. And there was. Let there be. And there was. He could have as well just spoken everything out once and everything just appears and be the way he wants them to be. But it's part of those things about creation about new beginning that does not make so much of sense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I was saying that God created us to be gods and we're meant to be like that, doing some more creation. He created something out of nothing and he imputed into us, you know, a dimension that is that is kind of two sided in us, a kind of power to also be able to create something from nothing. But we can also go ahead and create something from something. Hallelujah. That's why you could have all these speakers. It was not God that created the speakers. It was one man that thought, okay, if you put this and this together, then our sound can be better. We can be better heard and all of that. It was someone that thought, okay, um, if we could mix some things together, we could have pillars that would suspend this kind of a pavilion and you could sit down and listen to what I'm saying. It was someone that thought, okay, we could come up with something that will save us a whole lot of space to pile up books and just have everything on a small flash. It was someone that thought of that. But all those things were something coming from something because it was one of the dimensions of the ability that God placed in you right from the beginning to be able to create and create and create. But one thing we have to understand, having, having come to the realization of the fact that there is a dimension of some things you don't understand at every new beginning, but you need to understand what is expected of you. And we can learn from what God did. Hallelujah. Bible says God said. The first thing was a description of the status quo. The heart was without form and void. You know, everything is empty. There was darkness covering the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering upon the surface of the water. That tells me that God first and foremost observed. And he knew what was like the current reality. But beyond what he saw, he was not actually seeing what is, what is like the current reality. He was seeing the divine reality from the current reality. He was seeing something that he could bring forth out of all of those. And that was why he said, let there be light, and there was light. Having observed, the next thing he did was what? He spoke. Hallelujah. I was, I was speaking on Wednesday, how that you can't tell me that you have problems with accommodation in as much as you have a mouth. And I know between then and now, since a have come to me, that indeed I declared it and I got it. 
Some people are setting dinner why? Because they could use their mouth to get what they wanted. In as much as you could speak, Bible says God is a spirit and He wants those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And one thing about God is not is that He's not just a spirit, He's a speaking spirit. And He has made you like that, such that you can speak. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you dwell in a body. But you are speaking spirits like God Himself, and you are meant to create like God creates. Hallelujah. We're getting somewhere. We're still going to be dealing with the issues that has thus far held us back from being the full or coming to the full stature of the gods that we are meant to be. Hallelujah. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when he spoke those words, he's not just speaking anything. He's speaking out himself. Because Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. So there was a part of him that was coming out, and it carries a force. It carries a dimension. It carries life on the inside of those words. And that life can bring to pass and it, can, it has the capacity to call for those things that be not as though they were. And the good news is that you carry the same thing. Hallelujah. Bible says there's a spirit in man, but the inspiration of God Almighty does what? It gives him understanding. In as much as you're saved, in as much as you are born again, you carry that same dimension on your inside. Hallelujah. I know many people came to camp of talking to freshers now, you know, different things have happened at home. Perhaps it was just as about you, um, you were about to gain admission or just as you were about coming in and resuming that you lost someone so close to you. Perhaps it was just as you were about coming in that it seems like your source of income just went off. Perhaps it was just as you were about coming in that, you know, something so disheartening, something that could be a great challenge to your stay on campus happened. But whatever it is. That is not the divine reality. That is just the current reality. If you could open your eyes and speak, hallelujah, then you will see the manifestation of the things that God has for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Even if you are a returning student and then perhaps you are in part three, you are still on a, on a two-two or a third class, and you are trusting God to finish out with, a two, with at least a two-one. And you are wondering, is it really feasible? It's part of the nonsense in this Genesis. But the truth is, don't see that. Look beyond what you see and you discover that you can have what you want. Hallelujah. You can, you can always, always, I mean, have what you want. You've observed the, the situation. There is a reality on ground. It's true. It's not, it's not to be doubted. Faith doesn't deny the fact. Faith, faith knows that indeed this is the situation. But at the same time, faith sees beyond the situation. Bible says the things that we see are temporal. But the ones that we do not see, that's what comes to stand and last. They are eternal. Hallelujah. They are, they are eternal. They, are, they stand forever. It calls for those things that be not as though they were. Hebrews 11.3 says that for we, by faith we know that God created the heavens and the earth such that the things that we saw came from things that never did appear. Everything that you see in the physical came from something that was spiritual. It came from a word that someone somewhere spoke at a point in time. And God is giving you that same commission now to continue. God started creation. He didn't finish it. We are meant to continue it. To continue in the creation that he started and speak forth those things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll look at some cases in the scripture. And um, we'll see why we have this much difficulty, you know, battling out God's counsel as gods that God called us. And then we'll be able to see... Um, what God will just have us do to continually 
be the worshiper that wants us to be and at the same time the king and queens that has always wanted us to be hallelujah let's open our bibles to second um, second chronicles second kings rather chapter 7 second kings chapter 7 hallelujah Hallelujah. Glory to God. Second Kings chapter 7. Are we there? If you are there, say praise the Lord. Okay. If you are, if you are there, say amen. I think most of us are there. I'll read verse 1 to... Then maybe I'll jump, jump to 18 and 19. Verse 1 says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gates of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two miles of barley for a shekel and a mayor of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Okay, let's read, let's read um, the whole story. Let's read some other verses in the story so that we can get a better understanding of what they're talking about. 2 Kings chapter 7. Hallelujah. The painful thing about this stupid um, servant that made the comments was that, in fact, the man of God was not talking to him. The man of God was talking to the king. And he was too forward and he spoke. And he was like, um, even if God will make the windows of heaven to open or whatever, could this thing be? And the man of God said, in fact, you see it with your eyes, but you shall not hit of it. Now, um, if you follow the story, we'll discover that there are four lepers. That was the next verse, verse 3. There are four lepers men at the entrance of the gates, and they said one to another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit down here, we will die also. Now, now therefore, come, let us surrender to the hand of the Syrians, and if they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. After all, they know that there is one thing that is sure, they will die. If they stay there, they will die. If they don't, they will, they will die all the same, die of hunger. There was famine in the land. That was why. This statement looked unbelievable when the man of God spoke and said, by this time tomorrow, this and this shall happen. Now, it does not concern, or you don't really have to bother about how God will bring to pass those things that you said. And that is the essence of these scriptures. It looks so unbelievable. You know, there is one characteristic of God's word to the natural man. It is unbelievable. Hallelujah. We so much want to see and believe. And, you know, I, 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 I was telling myself some days ago that sin is not actually believing. Why? Because if you have seen it, then there is no need for you to believe it. It has become a fact. Hallelujah. If someone should ask me that, then maybe I just went out of this gathering and someone asked me and, and, and asked that, is the vice president coming to service or is the vice president in service? And I was like, I believe he should be there. That's a lie. Because I've actually seen him and I know he's there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there is nothing about believing again. It's already an established fact if you have seen it. But the reason why you have to believe it is because you've never seen it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can give an evidence for something you've never seen. That is faith. 
Faith is believing that it can happen and hoping convincingly that it will happen. It will be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, irrespective of how God wants to do it, it's not really a concern. In this case, God used leprous men, you know, and they came and they discovered that this, the city was empty. The people, Bible says, they heard the noise of war coming to them, and none of them fled and left their spoils. They left everything. And those lepers who had lots of things to eat and everything. But God, at the point in time, they were like, let's go and tell the people in the other city so that they can come and benefit from this thing. And everybody came, and there was so much to sell, there was so much to eat, there was so much to acquire. And then, you know, the king appointed that same servant that was too forward the other day. <laughs> of whom the man of God has already declared, you only see it with your eyes, but you won't partake of it. And indeed, you know, he came, he was meant to be the guard or something, he was meant to be like the gatekeeper to where they were selling the stuff. And people, maybe because everybody was so hung, hungry and hungry, you know, an angry man, an angry man is an angry man. And so everybody just rode on him, they trampled on him until he died. And the word of the man of God, both that there will be abundance and both that the man will die came to pass. Why? Because someone spoke with the understanding of who he is. He's a man of God and he spoke as a messenger in the message of God. That is who you are. God sees you as God. You know, when the angel of the Lord came to Gideon in Judges and said, Thou mighty man of value. That, is, that was not Gideon as at that point in time. Because the Bible tells us that at that point in time, Gideon was like threshing meal at the valley. Threshing is meant to be done at the threshing floor. It's always on a hill, on an elevated place. But because he was afraid of the Midianites, he knew that if they see him threshing, they could come and attack him and kill him. And the shy little boy, you know, just came down to the valley to be doing something that was meant to be done on the mountain top. And it was even very much more difficult for him doing it there. And then an angel of the Lord came and be like, that mighty man of valor. He must have looked at himself and be like, myself? Because there was nothing mighty about him. But that was not what God was saying. God does not see your current reality. He sees the image he sees what he had in mind when he formed you in your mom's womb every time he looks at you. And it is your responsibility to bat out the reality of that image per day. Because every day is a new beginning. Every day is a new level. And I said on Friday that for every new level, there are new devils. But you can always speak. And it shall be. The Bible says you shall say a thing. And it shall be established. So you are here to give glory to God. You are here to show for the praise of him that sent you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How? By living a life of worship and two, by continuing in the creation from where God stopped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you know what our problem is? Let's go to John. We see a man in the scriptures. One man that most of us actually, you know, we have tagged him by an identity of which anyway the identity was not even given to him in the scriptures I think it was men that gave him his name is Thomas and we know we say doubting Thomas hallelujah I know if I should be asking us who is our favorite bible characters I'm almost too sure nobody will say Thomas is my favorite bible character why because if there's anything that comes to your mind when you hear that name is the fact that he doubted God he doubted the fact that Jesus rose he doubted it. But we won't even blame him anyway. Because he had every reason to doubt it. Hallelujah. Let's go into John chapter 11. And see this man we are talking about. John chapter 11. Hallelujah. Soon be rounding off. John chapter 11 verse 16 says, then, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go 
that we may die with him. Now that was when Jesus was going to see Lazarus. After Lazarus had died and he had gotten the news that he had died in Judea. And he knew that people had threatened to kill Jesus before in Judea. And now Jesus is like, I'm going to that same Judea to go and do whatever. Let's go and see the, 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 the people, I mean, mourn with them or whatever. But Jesus had in mind what he was going to do anyway. And he told the disciples, let's go to that place. And Thomas was like, eh, you that they wanted to go and kill you. Eh, let's go so that we can die together. Hallelujah. There is still a trait of his, his personality, that doubting thing, evidenced in that verse. But where I'm going is his real identity. The Bible calls him Thomas what? Didymus. Hallelujah. Didymus means twin. If you check some other translations, it's Thomas the twin. And that is our challenge. The challenge is that all of us carry that twinish kind of nature. There is a part of him or a part of you and I that believes because we see. And there is a part of you and I that believes irrespective of what we see. Faith is in two dimensions. There is sensual faith. There is spiritual faith. There is faith that comes from the fact, the fact that your senses could perceive it. Your eyes could see it. Your ears could hear it. Your mouth has perhaps spoken it. Maybe your tongue has tasted it. Your nose has perceived it. Every part of you can confirm that it is you. That is when you believe. That is sensual faith. But as gods, you can't afford to be operating at that level. That is why you would suddenly, you know, grow so cold after you've written an exam and it seems like all you've written is nonsense. And it wasn't like you didn't prepare. It wasn't like you didn't do your best. And then suddenly you just believe, let me just be expecting that we're coming, coming again to write that course. That is sensual faith at work. That is why you believe that when you get a call from home, mommy is sick, daddy is sick, or someone is sick, or whatever, and the next thing you, th you, you, you that the next pictures that start flashing through your mind is how that he, you could get the call. What if I get the call and they tell me the person is dead? That's sensual faith at work. That's when you could, you know, look at circumstances around you and be like, there is no one to sponsor me, there is no one to cater for my fees, there is no one to, I can't even survive on that campus. And you just begin to wonder and have pictures in your mind of days that you will have to beg your roommate for 500 naira and promise to repay, days that you will have to walk up to this person or that person and ask for help. And those days will come. Why? Because that is the identity or the pictures you've given your mind. And there is a part of you that has come forth because thoughts, I mean, words don't just come. Words come out, says, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. You won't know when your language will suddenly be such of, it will communicate that thing in your heart. Even when you are speaking like God, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't pray this happens. I don't pray that. It's not having any effect because the thoughts in your heart, the, the, the dimensions of thinking you were in is such that you've already seen the realities of those things and they cannot but come because the words you are speaking even if you don't know they are spirits and they carry life so it's either they carry you know this they, they, they come forth from the dimension of you that is speaking from spiritual faith or the dimension of you that is speaking from sensual faith but spiritual or sensual has it may every of those words carry a power within them to become rea realities irrespective of what you say the fact that you've spoken it, you know, there's a receptacle that receives it in the universe as it were and then brings it to reality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Scripture was saying somewhere in Isaiah that the Spirit of God will gather those words together and will be quick to perform them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
So if every one of us has that dimension. There was a part of Thomas that could only believe, you know, he had worked with Jesus for three years. He had been a disciple. He had been taught for three solid years. He had sat under Jesus' teaching for every day of three years. And he was, he was, he has always had this picture of a Jesus that was so strong. He has always had this picture of a Jesus that could save himself. He has always had this picture of a Jesus that was meant to be, you know, all in all, all power in heaven and on earth was meant to be given to him. He was meant to be crowned the king and all of that. That was the picture he had always had. And the suddenly the strong Jesus he had always known was put on the cross. And he was thinking, let's see, this man is going to survive it. But the man still died. In fact, Bible says Jesus was the first to die of, of the three of them. And so the person he has always looked up to as a strong man, now he's dead. The person he has always looked up to as he can he has raised the dead in his presence. He has healed many sick in his presence. He has always believed that this man can do virtually anything. Even this point in time in John 11, they got to Lazarus' place and he saw what Jesus did. Jesus just said, Lazarus, come forth. And the man came forth. He knew Jesus had that dimension, that power within him to do whatsoever. And now the same Jesus was hanging helplessly on a tree. If there was no statement he heard, he heard when Jesus cried out and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabakatani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken him? And he was like, so even God has forsaken this same man and followed for three years. Why should I believe that a man could come to life again? He has a point, don't he? Because that was the current reality. He knows what it means to see someone die. He saw him die himself. He was there. He, was, he watched every moment. He couldn't believe it. But it was real that Jesus died. So for someone to now come and tell him three days later, everyone he has raised up, he didn't have to wait for three days. It was just about him touching a coffin or about him speaking a word or about him touching a hand and bringing the person wake up out of sleep and stuff like that. It was always instantaneous. So why should he wait three days this time before he comes back to life? But that was the current reality and it was to him unbelievable that Jesus could rise again. So when they told him, let's go to John, John chapter 20 now. John chapter 20, I'll read from verse 22. Nine chapters from John 11, John 20. Scripture says from verse 20, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. That was Jesus meeting or appearing to disciples and he said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands. He wants to see the hands. He wants to see the print of the nails. He wants to put his finger into the print of the nails. He wants to trust his hand into his side. He said, Then, until then, I will not believe. And scripture says, after eight days again, his disciples were with him and Thomas was with them. Thank God for God. God will always come after you. Even when you go about with all of those wrong pictures of the current reality that, that carries a sense of senselessness, that carries a touch of nonsense, that carries a touch of whatever you can't interpret, whatever you don't understand, whatever you don't know, Jesus will always still show up yet again. To show you that you have a friend, you have a sucker. That is why I like this song we took before we started. There is always a hope in every situation. And one thing that the devil will continually do is that he will blindfold you to see that hope in the whole situation. 
thank God for David and his men when they came back from war and discovered the whole city has been raided down. Bible says that, you know, they went and went and went until they could weep no more. But if you read the initial part of that scripture, I think 1 Samuel chapter 20, Bible says that, you know, they took the wives and everyone in the city away, but they did not kill them. I mean, that was like a dimension of hope out of that whole picture. At least the people are still alive. It's only that they are not here. We could still pursue, we could still meet them, we could still overtake them, we could still recover her. And he, he came to a point where, you know, he encouraged himself in the Lord. I, I saw that as the point at which, like this Thomas of a guy, Jesus appeared yet again to prove to him. And, you know, there was a sudden peace that flushed through his veins and he was like, wow, I've even been crying since. We've not even bothered to know what God has to say. And they hacked. They sought God's face and God was like, yes, go ahead. You will meet them. You will overtake. You will recover her. And they got everything back. Why? Because they stopped at a point to believe the current reality and back out the divine reality for that situation. I'm getting us to a point whereby you will so much or so mightily take charge of every day of your life such that whatever you are today is because of you've seen that picture yesterday and then today you are seeing a picture of yet a brighter tomorrow because the path of the righteous Proverbs 14 is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter and that is how it should be. You shouldn't be, I mean, I believe as a student on campus, you shouldn't start your, 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 your GPA with, with a 2.0 and then start fluctuating. You go to 2.5 now, you go back to 1. Point something. No, it should be brighter and brighter by the day. Hallelujah. You know, there are so many things I wish I'd heard while I was an undergraduate. I was, when we were praying on Friday, or was it? No, I was praying in my closet on Thursday. And I heard a, a statement in my spirit. And I almost wept. God told me, he said, you know, 65% of the lessons you learned while you are an undergraduate, you learned them by experience. And it shocked me. It, 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 it pained me. Because really, indeed, I could have enjoyed much more company of God, you know, having decisions bathed out of the fact that you are conscious of what you carry. Rather than just trying to reason out things and learning from whatever choices you choose by yourself. I went to secondary schools where, you know, every problem that arises, I know how to sit down, think through, and have my way. And I would, I would be the best I always want to be. So I came to campus with that mentality that, yes, I can always sit down. No course will be too tough. Even if I don't understand, I don't believe in going to people teaching me. I believe I will sit down and read it to the best of my understanding and go for the class. And even if I don't understand it, I'll console myself with it. It won't come out. You know, stuff like that. Foolishness. And eventually you come back and experience what it means to not know something and go to the examination with ignorance. But you could afford yourself this great joy of you, you do everything in partnership with God so that everything you do is not like you want to learn by experience. You want to learn by a pre-informed um, understanding that you have. You want to do things by virtue of this great wonderful partner that you have on your inside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is said to, you know, David said with my God, Psalm, Psalm 18, he said, with my God, I can leap, I can run through a troop. With my God, I can leap over a wall. That is when you come in partnership with him. You enjoy so much of, you are able to download those treasures in the heavenlies and see the reality of them in the physical. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a part of you that you want to let go today. Bible says on that day, two people shall be, two men shall be on the bed. And the Lord, you know, will take one and leave the other. That is the, the kind of 
it's not just the rapture now. There's a dimension of you, like I've established, that is so much interested in believing because you saw that you have to let go. That God asks you, as it were, crucify today. There's a part of you that will come alive if it has been done once thus far. That is not because you see that you believe, but you know, you know, even after the first day, after God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He says, and he separated the light out from darkness, and the light he called day, the darkness he called night. And he looked at it, and he said it was beautiful. And the evening and the morning, it was the first day. But the truth was, even as at that point, there was yet little or nothing done. But God could look, and he said, what? It is beautiful. Why? Because it's in faces, and then those faces get unveiling by the day. And each time, you know, you finish yet another face, and look at it, and be like, it is beautiful. And the evening and the morning, it was the next day. And stuff like that. It's, it's not that you want to see everything realized today. But at every point in time, per day, per week, per month, per year, you want to take charge right from the beginning, and rejoice at the sight of those nonsense. Because the nonsense you are seeing is not what is going to substantize. You have an evidence for what you actually desire and it will manifest in your tomorrow. That's why scripture says, remember not the things of old. Don't take cognizance of them. It says, for behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. He said, can you perceive it? Rose in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. It is, it is nonsense to a natural man to believe that. Rose in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The desert is so dry and then you are talking of rivers, not even an oasis. You know, there is still the possibility of having a little water in the desert. But then, that is what the spiritual faith can do. You know, Thomas eventually made a wonderful declaration. Let's, let's stand to our feet as we read the concluding part of that scripture. John 20. Hallelujah. And after eight days, verse 26, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach here thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach either thy hand, and trust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, and my God. That's one of the greatest proclamations of faith you could make. Every one of them had come to a point, of course, they now believe Jesus rose. Peter and John had run to the tomb and they've confirmed for themselves that the tomb was empty. Jesus had appeared to them at different times before then and is coming yet again. But none of them had ever chosen to call Jesus their Lord. And much more than being Lord, their God. But Thomas was able to come to that point because he was like, yes, I've always had this picture of a, of a God, of a Jesus that could do everything. I've always had this Jesus of a of uh, this picture of a Jesus that could heal the sick, that could raise the dead, that could be a strong man, but all his life he had never imagined that there is the possibility of that same Jesus to be able to die. That was his major wala, that Jesus died. So even now that Jesus died, it was incomprehensible for him to believe that somebody could die and raise himself again. And when he comes to the understanding that wow, this man actually died. And this man rose. It's not like someone went to pray for him to come, to ba- come back to life. But he came back to life of himself. And then he, he, he saw that picture and he was like, no, this is not just the Lord. This is my God. And the disciples of old, truthfully, they operated more at the level of sens- sensual faith. Why? Because they were part of, they saw Jesus rise. They saw Jesus come back to life. 
They saw Jesus speak to them, breathe on them, and say, receive the Holy Spirit. They heard Jesus tell them, go and wait in the upper room until you be endued with power. But Jesus made a statement after he said that, after Thomas said that, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. That's verse 29. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. If those that saw Jesus, if those that operated at the level of sensual faith, could go ahead, you know, and form a church, a church where there was so great a revival, a church where they could, they could heal the sick, a church where Peter and John could stand a man and say, look, stand into our eyes. We've got no gold and silver to give you. We've got a better stuff to give you arise and work. If people that could see Jesus could do that, and he said, blessed are we that though we were not there 2,000 years ago when he died, but we have chosen to believe all the same, then greater works than this shall you do. So there is something you carry on your inside, brother. There is something on your inside, sister, that can bat out the kind of future that you want for yourself. Irrespective of what they said, whose report would you believe? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet and just pray in the spirit and try to download those treasures that God has had in mind for this session for you. Speak it and it shall be established. There's, if, 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 it's a, if it's a five pointer you are looking forward to, speak it and it shall stand. If it's like you're, you're trusting God for a perfect restoration of your family, speak it and it shall stand. If you're trusting God for finances, as in financial freedom. Speak it and it shall be established. Why? Because you carry it within you. That God is on your inside and you shall say a thing and it shall be established. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I speak peace into this session. I speak prosperity into this session. I speak anointing into this session. I speak divine partnership into this session. I speak spiritual awakening into this session. I speak holiness into this session. I speak orderliness into this session. Zigmaki prohandeshke ledoshka. Balituski frani nenoshki belodonoska liaga. Lipronoshki pika hantuske gnogli romaledoshki felagni noska talia. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah to your name. We give you all the glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we have declared. There is something you still have to learn. It's called the language of kings. There is a way kings speak. There is this majestic, you know, horror that they carry. Not because they are proud. It's their nature. Paul Lugman gave me a wallpaper as a gift last year. And what was written there, you know, there was this picture of a lion. And they said that no matter the economy of the jungle, a lion can never eat grass. It is not pride. That's just who he is. That's his nature. If every animal is crying that there is no food, in as much as there are still other animals, a lion will eat. It's, it's his nature. That's the king of the jungle. And he has said, he has called you kings. He has called you priests. 
change because you will push because you can stand in the gap and decree a thing and it shall be either for yourself or for someone else. You shall say a thing and it shall be established. We just take a song and worship God as we bow around of the service. The song says, I can see it's rising, rising in this place, all over this place. I can see the glory of God rising in this place. It's not just meant for you to still feel spiritual. You know, when we sing slow songs, it's like you just feel, yes, now we are worshiping God. Or now we are, no, it's, it's beyond that. Let your heart connect to those lyrics. Let your heart connect to those words. Bring it down to reality. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Isaiah 45. And all flesh shall sit together. For the mouth of God has spoken it. And he said, I am God. I am not man that I should lie. Neither am I the son of man that should repent of my words. Once he has said it, there it is set up so that it is set up. I can see. I can see.